0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is in such poor taste, even a starving, frenzied great white shark wouldn't bite it. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Thursday night, and it is time for another episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly broadcast. Brought to you in part by my friends at SmokingPipes.com, coming to you via PipesMagazine.com. Hey, it's a big show today. I know I always say it's going to be a great show. This is a big show. Got a lot going on in this show, so pipe parts i'm gonna talk about my tour 10 years or so ago of the orlick pipe tobacco factory in assens denmark my guest caught up a couple of weeks ago with jerry king cartoonist and creator of all the pipesmagazine.com cartoons got a big mailbag full of a bunch of stuff music we're going back to the blues and a little bit of gate mouth brown later on and a uh, rant at the end of the show. All that coming up, plus a, a little special announcement thing that I'm going to try in the uh, in the mailbag section. So pay close attention there. Big show coming up. Hey, let's get this thing going. Here we go. This is Internet Radio. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com.
1: I have scoured the endless expanse of the universe looking for the perfect pipe, and after years of searching, I have found it right here on Earth. The best pipes in the universe, only at (laughs) cupojoes.com.
0: Welcome back. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show, the only weekly broadcast dedicated to all the pipe things we love. Hey, I also forgot to mention, uh, please leave us a rating or review in iTunes. That does help the show get found, help spread the word of this great show that we're doing, and we uh, certainly appreciate it. So... Everybody knows I spent uh, five and a half, almost six years working for Peter Stokeby International. I was kind of the uh, pipe tobacco guy in the office. Uh, 2001, wow, it's been 12 years. We went to Denmark for a company trip. We toured the Roll Your Own Tobacco Factory and the Pipe Tobacco Factory. The Pipe Tobacco Factory, the Orlik Tobacco Factory, is located in Assens, Denmark, its On the uh, larger island between Jutland and Copenhagen. So, kind of a a rural fishing village kind of an area with some farmlands nearby. Uh, But Assens is a beautiful little seaside town right there on the island. Orlik, and I'm doing a lot of this from memory because I reviewed some of my notes prior to it. But here's what Orlik does. Orlik has tobacco buyers all over the globe they buy tobacco from asia africa north america and south america it doesn't mean that it's bad tobacco when they're buying it from other countries it just means they're sourcing the tobacco anywhere possible that they can get the right grade of tobacco they may be buying virginia leaf from Africa and South America as long as it's the right quality. They will source out the tobacco wherever it is grown, and they'll buy it based off of the grade and the quality of it. That tobacco is all brought, shipped to Assens, where there are very large warehouses that are somewhat climate controlled, but not completely. They do keep them above freezing during the winter and they keep them from uh, boiling over during the summer which it doesn't get real hot in Denmark because it's about uh, 5 degrees south of the north pole but that tobacco sits in warehouses for a minimum of 2 years before it's used now when you're talk what the blends that we're talking about are the more popular ones are escudo and orlick they are now manufacturing all the Dunhill Pipe Tobacco Blends there and all the Peter Stokebe Bulk Tobaccos are all made there. All the Navy Flake, the Twist Flake, all those great aromatic blends that they make, those are all made there and they're all basically made with the same process. They create the blend, come up with what needs to be in the blend, and then the tobaccos that are used have been bought and stored in the warehouse for at least 2 years. Now when you look at a blend like Orlick or Escudo, in order to keep it consistent, Orlick is one of the few companies that uses the tobacco products in thirds. So they buy a they buy a crop, age it for 2 years, when it hits 3 years old, they use a third of that component or that product as the component for the blend. On the fourth year, they use another third of it. And on the fifth year, they use the final third. That helps them with dealing with inconsistencies between crops because Mother Nature can be cruel and a bad season can happen and you can't get the right grade that you need. So they may mix that in to uh, two-thirds of other good seasons. So each tobacco, each blend, each grade of tobacco that's used in Orlick blends, it's a third of, it's a third three years old, a third four years old, and a third five years old. Then they go ahead and they process that blend the same way they would. The first thing they do is they thrash out the raw leaf Strip the stems out of it as much as possible, because none of us like smoking a bunch of stem. Create the blend. Now you got to take the different grades of Virginia's and the Burley's or whatever it is, the Perique. You've got to mix the blend, and they mix the blend in large blend mixers. Run it through a steaming process to get it moisturized so that they can shake out some of the small stuff In that steaming process, they will open up. The steam will be nice and warm, so it'll open up the pores of the leaf. In an aromatic, now you're going to get the casing sauce sprayed on it. In a non-aromatic, it just opens opens up the pores of the leaf and makes it pliable again. When the casing for the aromatics, when the casing sauce is put on it, it's put on while it's warm the tobacco's come down another shaker again to drop out the small leaves because they want to get as much of that small shake out as possible cuz a really good pipe tobacco blend in my opinion has very little tiny shake in it at all. You want large pieces that are easy to pack and easy to mix. You don't want too big of pieces either, but so at that point they they check for the conformity of size of the leaf the little stuff drops through the screens that stuff gets cleaned off and sent out to either a cigarette factory or a snooze factory or something else it gets reused might even go to a uh, machine-made cigar wrapper factory for a uh, homogenized tobacco leaf now we've got the blend completed it's gone through the steaming it's opened up its pores even the aromatics After they've been cased, steamed, warmed up, they get pressed into cakes, even the aromatics. The difference is between a non-flake tobacco and a regular tobacco, the cakes, the pressure that's used is much less, and for a shorter amount of time. But what this pressing allows an aromatic or a loose Virginia, whatever kind of a blend it be, this pressing helps make the blend marry together. You might have three or four different grades or components of Virginia's. You may have a little bit of Burley in there in the case of like an Orlick Golden Slice. You may have, in the case of a of a luxury Navy Flake, you may have some Perique in there. Well, you don't want each individual piece of tobacco to have the taste. You want all the tastes of all the components of the blend mixed together, and married. So by caking or pressing that cake, it helps do that. When they're going to make a flake tobacco, like an Orlik Golden Slice or a luxury navy flake, those cakes are taken off to the side. They are pressed in for under 2,000 pounds of pressure for a couple of weeks. And when those cakes are done in those presses, you can take that 12 inch by 12 inch 40 pound cake and drop it from 5 feet high onto a concrete floor and not a piece of tobacco will drop off. It is one of the most solid things on earth. The only thing harder than that is my head sometimes when I'm dealing with stuff at home. But it is a solid piece of tobacco. Then, of course, they run it through the cutter where the blades cut it into the slices and cut it crossways to get it into the into the shape and size that we all see the end product in. The loose leaf blends, or the, the spun out blends, or the standard aromatic blends that we see coming out of Orlick or even like the 965s. Those are run through cutters and they're spun out and they're broken up and they come out into the form that we see them. Then they're run down a packing line and every tin at Orlick is uh, is machine packed and hand finished with a little doily to make sure that everything is in there correctly and they're run through a couple of test processes to make sure that it's sealed in. That's exactly how Orlick processes all the tobaccos. The key thing to remember is that by the time you and I get a tin of scudo or a tin of of Dunhill or whatever it is that Orlick is making, by the time we get it, tobaccos that are in that can, by the time that can leaves the factory gets shipped across the across the ocean to the importer here in the U.S., distributed out to retail and to you. Tobaccos, that process just from, from the time the can is finished is about six months at the fastest. So some of the tobaccos in that can are already five and a half years out of the field. That's five and a half years of aging and sweating. That's high quality control. Now, I'm not saying that if a tobacco company doesn't do that, it's not. If it's a blend that you like... And you enjoy it. Keep smoking it. I'm just telling you what I saw when I went to Orlick. And I thought it was interesting. I thought maybe everybody would enjoy seeing seeing and hearing it. I will tell you that even though the blends may come out fresh. uh, When the blends come out fresh out of the factory. I still want them to be blended and sitting in the tin. Or sitting and aging for at least six months to a year before I'm ready to smoke them. Because I think that extra time of marriage... That extra time of aging in its packaging, the extra time of relaxing, that's worth it to me. It makes it all turn out perfectly the way I like it. So there's my tour of the uh, Orlick factory, and I can't believe it was 12 years ago that I was there. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. If you got any questions, hey, it, pop the questions in the forums. I'll uh, check them out. So, In a minute, we'll be back with uh, Jerry King. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin direct via satellite from our on-the-spot task force. This just handed to me, after years and years and millions of telephone requests, Prince Albert has finally been let out of the can. And now back to our show. Joining me on the phone, the official cartoonist to PipesMagazine.com, as well as many, many, many other publications, Jerry King. Welcome, Jerry.
1: Well, thank you. Nice to be here.
0: You are uh, are the first non-pipe hobby industry person, and I'm going to call you the first celebrity interview that we've ever done on the show, so you'll have to bear with me. I'm not real good at this. <laughs> okay. Let's start off. Tell us, where, where'd where you grow up?
1: Uh, Ohio. Uh, Northeast Ohio.
0: And growing up, did you, did you start drawing when you were young?
1: Yeah, I actually started drawing in class because I was bored. So I would just kind of doodle, keep myself occupied. Even as a kindergarten gardener, I just drew and... and you know, because he was fun. I never really set out to be a professional cartoonist. But um, my my drawings got better and better. So then, you know, some of them might actually pay me for these.
0: When, what, when did you decide you were going to become a professional cartoonist?
1: I think after I graduated high school. I actually wanted to be a boxer. That was my first goal as a kid, professional boxer.
0: From boxing and, to cartoonist?
1: Yeah, I... I Started boxing at age 13, and I boxed many years, and I thought, well, maybe, you know, when you're a young kid, you kind of dream about doing something. But then I found out that uh, I'm a better cartoonist than I am a boxer.
0: And cartoonists tend to have a longer career than boxers.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually got tired of losing weight and getting in the face. <laughs> I'd rather sit in my office and draw. But I did it for about eight years, the boxing.
0: What was your first uh, What was your first cartooning job?
1: Well, the first time I ever got published was I was in ninth grade in high school, and the art teacher said everybody should uh, just draw something for Christmas. And I drew an elf who was was building a boat, and he was looking at it. The boat had a a hole in it. And so I handed it in to the teacher, and uh, when the school newspaper came out, I actually saw that cartoon, and boy, I I thought I hit the big time. And that was the first time I ever been published. Where? I was 14.
0: So at age 14, then when you graduated from college, you decided that you were going to do this professionally. hmm How does one start being a professional cartoonist?
1: Well, I started looking at publications. You go to the bookstore, you look at a magazine, and you write down the, you know, the. Um, inside you write down the address and, you know, the editor's name and I would just send him some cartoons with a letter, you know, saying, you know, are you interested in buying cartoons? And a lot of times I even did it for free when I first started out, just so I could get published. And so that's how I would, that's how I would find clients. Just send them cartoons just out of the blue.
0: What are some of the publications you've been in?
1: Well, I started off uh, Saturday evening post. i was in there several times. Um, a lot of greeting cards from small, not the big greeting card companies like American Greetings. I, even though I've worked for American Greetings,
3: but early on
1: I found a bunch of smaller greeting card companies that liked my work, so I did a lot of greeting cards. Uh, Woman's World, uh, like it's a, a newspaper that you see in grocery stores. Um, uh, just a lot of a lot of magazines you'd, you'd see in the bookstore, you know, or the magazine. you know, go into like, uh, you know. Uh, B. Daltons or whatever, and just look at look through the rack, and I will hit them all. And, you know, not all of them, and most turned me down at first, but there were a few who liked my work and would buy one here and there. So that's how I got started.
0: And now that you're established, do they contact you and say, we'd like you to do a cartoon on this subject, or...?
1: Sometimes I'll get an email saying, Hey, you know, I run a like a, a magazine and I've seen your work out there and I was wondering if you'd you know be interested in selling dust. But in many cases, um I write them. Um like I came across Pipes Magazine and I thought, Well, that'd be really fun. Um so I wrote to uh, him and said, Would you be interested in, you know, cartoons that have to do with pipe smokers? And uh, he was very excited about the you know, the idea.
0: And how long have you been doing the Pipes magazine cartoons oh
1: boy um it's gotta be a a year just all 2012
0: when you're doing a cartoon do you come up with the punchline first or do you have an idea of the of the gag in it and then you draw it
1: yeah in most cases i come up the idea first if I'd say ninety nine percent of the time or ninety five percent of the time I'll come up with the idea of my mind and then I'll draw it and but there's some cases where i'll, I'll just draw draw a cartoon and just try to put a caption to it
0: so you'll see something in that, most case, you'll you'll see something that looks funny and then at that point you'll turn around and go okay well now i can I can come up with the with the tagline
1: for it or the yeah but, but in most cases so I come up with the idea first and then i and then I draw the cartoon to go with it.
0: Now you also draw the the cartoons for the caption this monthly contest. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you look and see what the what the uh, submissions have been for the contest?
1: Yeah, I tell you, a lot of times I'm like, Why well, I wish I would thought on that." There's some really good ones.
0: Is it hard for you to draw it and not you know, to to come up with the cartoon and then not and then not finish it?
1: Oh no, no! that that's easy. Coming up with the idea is is the hard part. Drawing it's like nothing; it's very easy. But coming up with the idea is the hard part. So just drawing a picture, but I try to come up with something, you know, like not, not just two guys talking, you know, because that's be kind of boring to write to. But I try to come up with something, you know, visually exciting, so somebody to write the caption to it. But the, a lot of those, a lot of the the guys are, you know, really funny you know captions are
0: coming up with there's a couple of your cartoons that really caught me in particular was the one with the two with the two pipe smokers the gentleman in the suit with the high dollar pipe and the and then the guy in the tank top smoking the corn cob and their the discussion back and forth that's not something that would appear to people real quickly from outside the uh from outside the hobby that that's a that that's a situation that often happens when you're doing work for PipesMagazine.com, do you get ideas given to you?
1: Sometimes, sometimes Kevin will drop me an idea, or you know, or kind of guide me. In most cases, I come up with the idea, but there's there's some times when he's you know he's come up with an idea that thought would be funny, and said, "Hey, you know, know what about this idea?"
0: And then you execute it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, because he obviously knows you know more than you know, about pipes than I do. I mean, I've been doing, you know, my grandpa was obviously, a, I mean, a, an avid pipe smoker, but um, but never now in then Kevin would drop me an idea, you know, that he would think would be funny.
0: So in addition to PipesMagazine.com, where you're doing regular submissions there, you are also a uh, regular contributor to Playboy? Yeah,
1: yep. going on my 18th year with Playboy magazine.
0: 18th year, so right about when you were old enough to buy Playboys, you started working for them.
1: Well, I'm old when you think. I'm 48, so.
0: (laughs) So right about when you shouldn't have been buying them anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've, for some reason, you know, I've I've always wanted to work for Playboy, because Playboy is known for their cartoons. And there's two magazines in the world that cartoonists want to get into. Number one is the New Yorker, and number two is Playboy. And that's and a the New Yorker just wasn't my style.
0: And that's a perfect spot for us to take a break. When we come back, I'll uh, we'll find out more about working for Playboy.
1: a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favourite blends outside of the US? 4 stocks all of your favourite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from 4noggins.com. is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the US and international with no worries. 4 for all of your pipes and tobacco needs.
0: We are back and still on the phone with Jerry King, cartoonist, contributor to PipesMagazine.com, as well as a regular contributor to Playboy. Uh, have you ever met Hugh Hefner?
1: Uh, no. But he, he chooses the cartoons himself, though.
0: How, do, how does that work?
1: Just uh, send the cartoons out to L.A., and he picks which ones he likes, and sends the ones back to me. You know, he'll initial the ones he likes and I send him back in finished format. Pretty simple.
0: And how often are you in the magazine?
1: Oh, not every month. Uh, He's got to fit, you know, everybody in and depends on what he's looking for for that issue and stuff. Oh, several several times a year. And
0: some of the... uh...
1: Sometimes more more often, you know, like three times a year or sometimes six times a year, maybe seven times a year, four times a year.
0: Do you know how many different cartoonists are... Are supplying Playboy?
1: Uh, no, I don't. I'm, I'm guessing, if I had to guess 20, 30. I, I'm not sure, though.
0: And they're not all, I I honestly have not looked at uh, Playboy except for the articles and the cartoons. So I I can tell <laughs> everybody that um, uh, they're not all uh, adult-oriented. Sometimes they're just relationship-oriented.
1: Sure, yeah. Relationship, business, um, cultural. No, not, not, not all. Hmm.
0: Prior to drawing exactly for Playboy, Yeah, and prior to drawing for Playboy, did you have to take an anatomy class?
1: <laughs> no. Nope, I had that down. I,
0: I did notice that some of the uh, some of the women in the Pipes magazine cartoons are um, uh, very well gifted.
1: Voluptuous.
0: Yes, that's a good word for it.
1: <laughs> oh, our women. I mean. I used to draw really skinny, ugly women because they looked too cartoony. And, and you know, I, I, and after drawing for Playboy for so long, I, I try to make my women, you know, more attractive.
0: And then you told me before we started the uh, interview that you also draw, you also drew some stuff for Disney.
1: Yeah, I was with. Uh, uh, there was a project for about a year. I worked for Disney.
0: And how how did that work?
1: Well, a friend of mine called me up and asked me if I wanted to, you know uh Michael Eisner at the time wanted to do um, car- a daily cartoon for one of his websites. And, you know, every time you log on to the sites, you'd see a brand new cartoon each day. He wanted to get several cartoonists to, to do those cartoons, and I was one of them. So I sent my cartoons to be approved. I had to send my cartoons to Michael Eisner, and he approved me. And so then I started doing sending him cartoons, um, and he chose which ones he liked. And then he ran it on the um, on the website.
0: And these were that's about a year. These were Jerry King originals and not Disney yeah. character cartoons.
1: No, no, Jerry King originals, right? It could be relationship, business, sports, pets, family, whatever, life in general.
0: Now on your on your website, you are available to work for. Even you've done corporate stuff.
1: Yeah. Yep, I do pretty much it all, uh, whether, you know, any pretty much every, any topic. Like I like just mentioned, uh, you know, pets, business, sports, um, personalized cartoons.
0: So you'll also do a personalized one for an, for an event or that somebody could use as a mm-hmm. gift?
1: Yep, usually a gift. Or sometimes companies want a cartoon uh, for their blog or their Facebook page. Yeah. Um, you know, if, or they marketing, you know, or an ad. Or they say they're running an ad, They like a cartoon to go in the ad. So really the cartoons are a good marketing tool as well.
0: What's the strangest request you've had?
1: Oh, boy. Um, actually, um, not, not many. Uh, I think the weirdest thing was a woman wanted a cartoon. It wasn't a weird cartoon, but she wanted – she asked me to put a pic, a, her husband's picture – his face on the cufflinks he was wearing and I said well that's a little small I don't think I can actually do a caricature on a cartoon character on his cufflinks <laughs> even, even if they were real size I wouldn't have done that let alone in a cartoon so I had to explained to her that I, I can't do that <laughs> I can't draw that small
0: So in addition to doing the cartoons you've also done you've also published some cartoon books you've done some illustrations anything coming up in the future?
1: Yeah, when I you know, when I was first started off doing books I had to send my all my cartoons to a publisher and they had to okay it and you know, and they take they don't they don't have to pay you anything. So now authors, artists, cartoonists can do their own ebooks. And for all the cartoons I've done over the years, now I've now I'm going to start doing my own ebooks. And sell, you know, and now now you know an artist or an author, or whatever, can sell their own e-books, and uh, instead of giving the publisher ninety percent or 90 percent, you know, uh, he can keep most. The author can keep most of for himself. So I'm going to be I'm going to be doing a lot of e-books. I've got probably enough cartoons to do fifty e-books right now.
0: And you're uh, you're also an avid golfer. Any uh, any good uh, golf cartoons?
1: I was doing a lot of uh, golf cartoons. In fact, that was probably my my first big topic that that I drew about was golf. Because I was golfing so often that all the ideas were coming to me, so I was doing a lot. I've got a couple golf books out, and probably golf will be my first e-book. But, you know, I don't have time to golf like I used to. I was golfing three times a week, four times a week, and now now I can once, twice a month. I stink, anyways, so I'm not missing
0: anything. Where can people go to get your get your books, get your cartoons?
1: They so you go to JerryKing.com.
0: It's J-E-R-R-Y-K-I-N-G.com. uh uh-huh. Yep. Drop me an email. And the the books are the books are coming up. Special made cartoons. Anybody wants to contact you, just do it right through there.
1: Yep, they can drop me an email. If they have any, you know, request or like whatever, they can drop me an email and we can talk about it. Uh,
0: the members of PipesMagazine.com have been enjoying your have been, have been enjoying your work. Where does the uh, pipe smoking inspiration come from?
1: Oh, that'd be my grandpa. Every time I saw my grandpa, he was smoking a pipe. It's all I remember of my grandpa. I, mean, he was a, I loved him. He was a great guy. And uh, But every time I go over to his house, he always was smoking his pipe, and I could, to this day I can still smell that pipe. To this day.
0: Has he ever been uh, inadvertently featured in one of the cartoons?
1: No, but I can remember like some of the um, the, the reddish reddish. He had a reddish pipe, and so some of the, the reddish pipes is from my memory of his pipe. He even smoked a corn pipe, the, you know, the corn pipe. He, he had that real nice reddish, woodish-looking pipe. And I can just smell it to this day going over there
0: fond memories
1: yeah I do I miss them
0: Jerry I want to thank you for your time wish you and yours a happy and healthy new year keep the good work coming anybody wants to contact Jerry go directly to jerryking.com
1: yes and I appreciate it and uh, it's a it's a real pleasure working for Pipe's magazine
0: and we'll be back with the show in just a
1: minute <laughs>
0: This is Internet Radio. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com.
1: Fact, Cup of Joe's has the largest selection of pipes and tobaccos on the web. Fact, for over 17 years, Cup of Joe's has maintained the highest standard in customer service. Fact, your thumb is the same length as your nose.
0: Told you, cupofjoes.com. We are back in the studio. Hey, take a look at Jerry King's website. Uh, a lot of fun stuff to look at. A lot of fun things to poke around. Jerry's got uh, quite a talent uh, Just a, and just a ton of work to look through. Next week's show, I'm going to tease you a little bit about it right now. going to be really special. Not going to tell you what it is, but it's a show that's so big it can't be done in one show. That's all I'm going to say. So, next week's show, really looking forward to it. So, I thought we'd go back and uh, listen to a little bit of Gate Mouth Brown again. Clarence Gatemouth Brown, a blues, jazz, guitar player, dedicated pipe smoker. Wouldn't, uh, wouldn't perform in a couple of places because they wouldn't let him smoke his pipe there. This is Gate Mouth doing the Gate Mouth Boogie. was around for so long he hit all kinds of different styles and that was one of his older pieces. Uh, still love to listen to his music.
1: Mm-hmm. Message from the dark side there is.
0: I love that Yoda piece but now that Disney has bought, uh, Lucasfilms and Star Wars and all that I'm not so much worried about what they're going to do with Star Wars. What I'm worried about is, uh, Indiana Jones 5, Raiders of the Secret Formula to Geritol, or, uh, Kingdom of the creaky knees and joints I don't know anyway in the mailbag hey lots of stuff to cover here uh, pipes astronomer thank you for the kind words and the comments. Uh, my daughter got a uh, wanted a telescope for Christmas uh, we've been playing around with that on the uh, nights that we can. Kevin Godby has updated the uh, pipes events calendar for 2013. And, yes, I still want everybody to get out to a pipe show. Get to a pipe show. You cannot afford to not go to a pipe show and see all the pipes in person, meet all the pipe makers, meet the tobacco manufacturers. So here's a rundown of them. Are you ready? Uh, February 16th, the St. Louis Pipe Show in St. Charles, Missouri. Uh, April 13th, the Triangle Area Pipe Smokers, Raleigh Pipe Show, Raleigh, North Carolina, two and a half hours up the road from me. That's April 13th. Uh, The big one, May 4th and 5th, the Chicago Pipe Show in St. Charles, Illinois. That's actually really May 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, and then 6th. So it's a big one. Uh, If you can get to that one, definitely worth the trip. Kansas City, June 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, the Kansas City Pipe Show. The uh, NASPC show for 2013, August 24th, Columbus, Ohio, actually North Dublin, Ohio, at the new uh, Crown Plaza Hotel, beautiful location. And October 11th, 12th, and 13th, The Richmond Pipe Show, going to be downtown again in the vast convention center where we were able to smoke and drink and eat and be merry all in one building. And November 2nd and 3rd, the 2013 edition of the West Coast Pipe Show, back again at the Palace Station in Las Vegas. Those are all listed on the website on PipesMagazine.com under the Pipe Events page. I got a note uh, about last week's show where I claimed that uh, our own Gregory Pease was an egotistical, uh, megalomaniac, maniacal. I forgot whatever else I called him. Uh, Our own Kevin Godby got upset at me because Kevin feels like he has a much bigger ego and is much more maniacal. So, all right, Kevin, you got a bigger ego than Greg. Congratulations. New Congress is in session in the United States of America. No political commentary here. However, there is a new Congress in and it is time to remind all your elected representatives and officials, both state and federal, that you are a smoker and you will not stand for any more unfair taxes levied on tobacco products. You don't have to tell them that you're a pipe smoker, but just flat out tell them I'm a smoker, I vote, and it's time that we stop picking on tobacco products. Let's do a little trivia and then an announcement. Are you ready? Here's the trivia. The white dot or the white spot on Dunhill Pipes. Why did they start putting the white spot on the pipes? Why did they put the white spot on the pipe stems. So post that on the forums. I'm sure a bunch of you know the answer. Uh, so here it is. It's called Pay It Forward. So my wife, I'm watching her Facebook page, watching the posts that she does, and uh, right around the first of the first of the new year, I saw her and a couple of other friends post this, Random Acts of Kindness Pay It Forward. So here's what I thought I would do. The first five people that go on to PipesMagazine.com and private message me their name and mailing address that's all I want name and mailing address complete address so that I don't have to look anything up but your first name last name mailing address the first five people and if you're if you're trying to find me my name is really complicated it's Brian Levine no space no nothing that's me The first five people that go on and private message me their name, address, and phone number sometime in the next couple of months will just receive a random act of kindness from me in the mail. No strings attached, no sponsorships, no nothing. It's just from me to you. Don't know what it'll be, but I'll try to find some fun stuff. I guarantee you none of them will be a high-grade Danish uh, fancy hoop-de-doo pipe, but it'll all be stuff that... I hope we enjoy, and it's just my way of paying it forward. We will be back with uh, rant time in just a minute. Smokingpipes.com has
2: been my family's tradition for over 10 years.
0: Past two weeks, I have had the uh, privilege to uh, spend some time in the emergency room at our local hospital, and uh, spend some time around the hospital. I promise I will go into this at a later date and fill you in on what had happened. My complaint, though, is the uh, Hippocratic—I mean, hypocritic—I um, mean, the oath that uh, hospitals take, because. Our hospital here is part of a large network, and the large network is part of one of these smoke-free campuses. Lots of signs around that say "smoke-free campus, no smoking." Da 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 da. Tobacco-free. No, they don't give tobacco away for free. But I tried. Anyway, we were down there in the in the waiting room of the emergency room, waiting for several hours. And my wife and my daughter and I we got kind of hungry, so I knew where the gift shop was. I wanted to get my daughter some snacks and figured we'd get some drinks and I go up to the gift shop. The gift shop has a snack stand that is similar to what you would find in a convenience store, however much smaller with all the prepackaged nuts and candies and stuff like that. And I'm looking around. I want to buy my daughter some unsalted peanuts. They don't have any. All they have is the salted peanuts. So I'm sitting there thinking to myself, self in a hospital, wouldn't you want to have the unsalted peanuts as an option? I turn the corner and look at the front of the display, looking for some potato chips. The bottom three shelves, and hopefully, Kevin Godby, we can get this picture up on the uh, up on the page for the show. Not the greatest picture because I couldn't use my flash in there, but the bottom three shelves of the display, the left-hand side, are packaged bags of pork rinds. Now, I do live in North Carolina, where pork is one of the four basic food groups, along with beer, college basketball, NASCAR, and pork rinds. Pork is a basic food group. However, in a hospital environment where you want everyone to be healthier, don't you think you want to take out the deep-fried fat? That's all it really is, is pork skin, deep-fried and puffed up. So, hospital, you want to you want to follow your uh, oath all the way through and make it a healthy place for everybody. Why don't you offer unsalted peanuts and take the uh, deep-fried pork skin off the offerings in the snack shop? That's the rant for this episode. Hey, it's been a great show. Next week, I'm really excited about that show. Make sure and follow me on Facebook. Look me up. Friend request me. I got a bunch of travel coming up. I'll keep you updated on all that. In the meantime, if you get a chance... Give us a rating, please, on iTunes. I'd still like to know where everybody is listening from. So if you get a chance, post uh, city, state, Providence, country, and city. like to hear where the show's going and uh, who all's out there listening. Thank you again to SmokingPipes.com. Thank you to everyone for listening. Until next time.
3: Happy trails to, you Until we meet again. Happy trails to you.
1: I I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume,